Hello, Church of the Cross, and welcome back to the Ninth Avenue Nine. This is your host, Joel Bascom, pastor of Connecting and Equipping. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Summer is humming along, and I hope you have been able to get together with some people during this time and enjoy the blessings of summer. I myself went with my family back to, out to California, got to see my beloved L.A. Dodgers, enjoyed Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, went to Catalina for the first time, caught up with family. That coupled with some great hangout time in Seal Beach, it was a good time. But let's get to the next episode. For episode 14, I was able to invite Sean O'Neill into my office and chat about music. Fans of the podcast will notice a change of rules when it comes to the book, so take note. If you want to talk music and leave a book in the basement library, let me know. My email address is joel at ofthecross.org. As you listen, keep in mind that Sean's Spotify playlist is linked with the podcast, so you can check out the music that he talks about. So, without further ado, here's the next episode of the 9th Avenue 9 featuring Mr. Sean O'Neill. Welcome back to the basement, everybody. My guest today is a longtime member of Church to the Cross. He and his wife, Andine, have been very active members at Church of the Cross and have contributed to the ministry here and to our worship experience in so many wonderful ways. You may remember uh, Sean especially being in one of our church videos, masked as Bob Dylan in sunglasses. It is my pleasure to introduce to you and to welcome to the basement, Mr. Sean O'Neill. Hi, Sean. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm super, super happy to have you. I think I have now had, let's see, the Asps were a couple that I've had, and now you and Andine have been on. I have, I'm trying to get Molly Ruck to do it yeah. at some point. It's just been a, you know, kind of a scheduling thing. I can't do it. She can't do it. She's whatever. elusive. <laughs> She's got some stuff going on, but it's really good to have you. Thank you. Great to be here. Why don't you tell, uh, tell us a little bit how long you've been at Church of the Cross? We know that, you know... It has something to do with your wife, how long you've been here, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, we've been going to Church of the Cross um, coming up on nine years now. It's mm-hmm. always easy to remember for us because it kind of coincides with when we got married. So we got married got in it. November of 2012 and then started, uh, Andy started her role as a pastor of worship um, that following January. So okay. um, yeah, and so we just loved our time here at Church of the Cross and... Um, uh, you know, it's it's gone by fast. It's hard hard to believe it's almost uh, almost a decade. So it's hard for me yeah. to believe too. Yeah. I mean, we well, we started here in 2010. Paul Calvin was pastor. I think it was sometimes some some of those younger years feel longer. Yeah. And so even though he was probably only the worship pastor for the minority of our time here, it feels like it was a longer time. Yeah. No, and of course, that. that just also means that Nadine's time has just gone by so quickly That's because right. she's so good at what, <laughs> and the, both of you are so good at what you do. Um, where did you grow up, Sean? Um, I was born in Oak Park, Illinois, right outside oh, of sure. Chicago, close to birth home of Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, and Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, house his, and studio. studio and a lot of homes that he built. And uh, But I only lived there for one year, then we moved out to Hinsdale, which is another western suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when I was seven, moved out to Rockford, Illinois. So that's where sure. I really grew up for most of my young adult uh, years, was in Rockford, um, just an hour and a half outside of Chicago. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I, I grew up 
there and then came up to Minnesota to go to Bethel University and have been here since. Got it. Yeah. So that's what's uh, brought you here. And, and of course, Andine grew up in Minnesota. She so did. Yeah. I have noticed, I've lived in Minnesota for 15 years, and I've noticed that when I ask folks where they're from, if they're not from Minnesota, their spouse almost indefinitely is. <laughs> <laughs> the common denominator. Usually, My wife and I are a little bit the of life. the outliers in that way. We're yeah. both from California. We don't have a reason to be here except for me. It was Trader Joe's at the yeah. beginning. Just so. a plane got stranded and you just <laughs> stayed here. <right? laughs> That's right. Yeah, we needed food, yeah. so we stayed. <laughs> well, cool. Good to get to know you a little bit better and have folks listening uh, know a little bit about you. Uh, so here's the rules for the podcast. Now, we are going to have one rule that we're slightly changing. Uh, so those of you who have listened to the podcast uh, can, can take note. Um, so you, you're stranded in the basement of our church for, for a year. You get nine albums. There is definitely some, you know, some leeway as to what that means an album. <laughs> I know your wife had a playlist, for instance. Was one we'll example. talk about that later. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that later. And then um, we're going to have you... Add a book to the library, All right. which is a new little twist. So I'll, when we get to the book, I'll, I'll quickly read through the, the books that we have in the library that other guests in the basement have left, and you can uh, feel free to add one, and then a luxury item. So you got all the rules? Got it. Ready to roll? What is your first album pick, Sean? All right. For my first one, um, so I was thinking about, you know, I'm exiled to the basement. I clearly have done something pretty bad to deserve this punishment. Well, that goes without saying. Right? Absolutely. And probably clapped on one and three instead of two and four in the pastor worship. Well, that would be enough just for the pastor worship text. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, I, I need to kind of uh, be in that in that mode of uh, feeling in exile. So I, I chose Bruce Springsteen's album, Nebraska, which I oh. I think one other uh, guest Yeah, this is the second well. appearance of Nebraska yeah. on the show. Steve Hunt picked Steve, Nebraska. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's my favorite Bruce Springsteen album. I, I could have chosen a couple of his uh, for this list because I really like his music a lot. But this one in particular, um, I just I think it's one of the best crafted albums lyrically um, in in rock history. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. just fantastic. Um, and so I I think that one um, to really listen to as a full album is important too. The songs kind of there's a an uh, an arc to the whole album that I think you pick up on when you listen to it all the way through and the album starts out with this song uh it's the title track Nebraska mm-hmm. and it tells a story of this young guy I think he's like 19 I think it's like loosely based on a real event but he goes on a killing spree and yeah. he's sitting in front of the judge and um the song ends with the judge asking him you know why did you kill all these people and he responds saying uh, I guess there's just a meanness in this world. And so it's just kind of, you know, idea that, that's put out there that, you know, evil um, is just kind of, you know, stitched into human nature um, in some sense. And the rest of the album is kind of an exploration of that theme. You know, what would drive somebody to do something like that? Mm-hmm. And so I always think of the album a little bit kind of like a Dostoevsky novel. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes through some of the dark uh, alleys and corners of the human heart and, um, and tells these little vignettes of different characters and um, explores all sorts of different themes of just, you know, injured pride as a young young person going with his parents to buy a, a car and they can't afford a new car and so they have to, to buy a used one and just kind of feeling the, the, the embarrassment of that as they drive home with it. Or Atlantic um, City. Atlantic <laughs> City, a guy in desperation and, yeah. and he just 
he's kind of forced to do things that he would never would, would have never done otherwise. Um, and I, you know, I think the album climaxes on the the ninth track, which is called "My Father's House," mm-hmm. and it's my favorite song on the album. And I kind of read it like a tragic uh, take on the parable of the prodigal son. Mm. It's this this young man who um, the first it's six verses, and in the first three verses, um, he's describing a dream, a nightmare that he had, and he's running through this dark forest and. He's panicked and terrified, and as he describes, the devil's nipping at his heels. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of the song, he breaks through the tree line. Um, he sees his father's house, and it's shining like a beacon, uh, mm. strong and bright. And he goes and uh, runs into his arms, and, and his father yeah. holds him, and he's there trembling. And then he wakes up, and he realizes that you know whatever caused this separation in his relationship with his father just needs to be mended. And mm-hmm. so he goes and drives to his father's house and when he knocks on the door a woman answers and it's you know a different family that lives there and says sorry you know nobody by that name lives here and the song ends with him um uh, i'll, I'll re- read the lyrics because i think it's it's just kind of profound he says my father's house shines hard and bright it stands like a beacon calling me in the night calling and calling so cold and alone shining across this dark highway where where our sins lie unatoned and, um, you know, I think Bruce is deep, he's deep, you know, and, you know, obviously he's telling this, uh, you know, kind of a parable about, you know, a, a young man and his dad, but, you know, it really does kind of speak to our relationship and our need to feel that reconciliation with, with God mm-hmm. and, you know, how, how, what a nightmare it would be if that, um, embrace wasn't there, you know, if, yeah. if we did have to be on the other side of that highway, not being able to not have her sense of tone for. So um, anyway, I think that's a really um, great song. And then it's it, it ends, the album ends with the song called um, uh, Reason to Believe. And it kind of is like the, the parallel of the first track where it talks about, you know, despite all of these, um, you know, death and hard things happening in this world, somehow people find a reason to have hope and believe and like that is just as much stitched into our nature as you know the the sin and evil that we find so anyway the whole the whole album i think really plays well together and musically it's really interesting because it's just you know super stripped down mm-hmm. basically yeah. him and a guitar a couple yeah. other instruments yeah um so that, that was my first pick cool yeah i've listened to that album a lot of times i have a, a copy of it and one of the, the disservices I will admit to, I'll confess, is I've usually listened to it uh, while doing something else. Sure. So I haven't really been able to dig into the lyrics. Yeah. I love the Highway Patrolman. Yeah, song. that's a great one. Johnny yeah. Cash did that yeah. on one of his albums. So I, I really love that song. Yeah, that one's been covered in... Actually, yeah. they made a movie <clears throat> based on that song called The Indian Runner. That okay. was... Directed and starred by Sean Penn. Um, okay. it's, it's actually worth seeing. It's uh, it was I can't remember when it came out, but um, it's it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, and it tugs a lot of heartstrings because there's reference in the Johnstown flood in it. And my mom grew up yeah. in Johnstown, oh, sure. Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. yeah. I mean that's uh, that's tough to to <laughs> tough tough to argue with uh, Nebraska. But I will say, yeah, that's is that going to be the one you put on first? Because if you're exiled to the basement, and then you put that one on first. You might just you know. See, I, I feel like that, like that's where I start, and then I, I need you just I need get to be better lifted from there. Up. Yeah. Sort of, exactly. Okay, got it. Start at the depths. Okay. Well, speaking of that, what's your number two pick? 
All right, so number two, I'm going to uh, lighten it up a little bit, and I'm going to choose Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. Um, oh, I love that album. It's a really good album. Oh, um, man. It, it's, you know, for people that aren't as familiar with his work, if you're expecting Brown-Eyed Girl, it's not that. You know, <laughs> no. it's not that yeah. sun-soaked kind of, um, you know, uh, pop sound. Um, it's, you know, heavy jazz influence, yeah. a lot of, you know, kind of prominent stand-up bass and uh, flute and strings. But really, just musically, so good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, lyrically, it's kind of it. It reminds me a little bit of like James Joyce's novels or something, okay. where it's almost like yeah. stream of consciousness. There's not a lot of you know coherence in the in the songwriting. It's just these kind of word pictures. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I've always loved Van Morrison, and he grew up. Uh, my uncle had a sailboat on Lake Michigan in Chicago, and. When we'd go out on the lake, we'd often have Van Morrison on. So there's, for for me, like in summer, if I'm just trying to kind of be in a, um, you know, kind of light mood, putting on his albums always uh, kind of takes me back to that place. And it's just, uh, yeah, one of my favorites. What are your, um, I mean, it's funny to think about tracks for that album. I mean, there's yeah. certain, there are eight songs on it. Yeah. So, uh, but they, they kind of run together a bit. I mean, what are yeah. your favorites? Yeah, I mean, I think the opening uh, track, which uh, I think is, is called Astral Weeks, I think it's another, yeah. another title track. Um, and then um, Sweet Thing is another mm-hmm. one that is one of the more well-known songs on that album that um, plenty others have covered. And yeah, those are two that I especially like. But like you said, you, you kind of listen to it more like a jazz album, really, yeah. where it's kind of, you know, one, you know, the songs kind of do uh, blend together a little bit. Yeah, and you yeah. can tell he's... I don't know how much he wrote the lyrics ahead of time versus, you know, Yeah. Or it's kind of like almost a jazz lyricism to it, where you know, it's yeah. almost like he's improvising the lyrics. Yeah. At least that's how it feels. I mean, he might not have done it that way. Well, but. I'm sure it came about some, somehow that way because I think that album came about by him playing in, like, jazz clubs and, mm-hmm. like, um, like, small venues... And it was him and a few other guys, and they were playing these kind of more stripped-down um, uh, pieces. And so the album came about through that session of performances that they did. So yeah. I'm sure there was a fair amount of uh, improvising there. Uh, Van Morrison is definitely somebody who, I, he when I did uh, the show with Christian, he was not one of my picks, but has occupied a huge part of uh, my sort of musical imagination i yeah. love that that album actually talking since this is fun way there's there's so many fun ways to do this show because when when i talk to people who i don't know any of the albums it's interesting because i getting to know something but then when somebody brings up an album i love then it's great to just yeah. talk about it astral weeks is one that i would use to nap a lot oh yeah i could see that it is great yeah for napping yeah <laughs> <laughs> because it's like the all of the lyrics are like really really dreamy anyway. Very dreamy, yeah. So you feel like you're not sure if you're actually sleeping or not. Yeah. Uh, and you, fe- it's a very sure. restful. Album. It actually feel. I always, whenever the weird times I do take a nap, I always have really weird dreams, <laughs> yeah. and it it's kind of like that. It feels like you're napping or something. So I, yeah. I get that. Yeah, and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, I and I actually also have. If you'd be interested, I have a. He did um, like ten years ago or so. He released a live album. Oh, of, really? of performance of, of Astral Weeks oh. from uh, the Hollywood Bowl. Cool. Um, you'd probably be able to find it on, you know, some kind of listening. Probably you know, yeah, Spotify. it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Unfortunately, my my album, it didn't come with a MP3 and it has a skip on it. Okay. But it's really, really great. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I've never well, heard those songs before. Well, you have two picks that I have that are really 
really favorites of mine. What's your number three pick? Um, number three, I'm going to go to 1966, uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Sounds of Silence. Um, oh. And that is... Actually, I'm, I I don't think any of your other guests have. Nobody's mentioned Paul Simon, Simon and Garfunkel or, Simon or Paul Simon. That yeah. is true. I can't um, think. I don't think anybody has. And so, uh, I Paul Simon's one of my favorite musicians. I love you know uh, really all of the Simon and Garfunkel albums. This one is the one that I've probably listened to the most as a whole mm-hmm. album. Um, mm-hmm. I it was hard to choose between this and Bridge Over Troubled Waters. That yeah. was another yeah. uh, a number of favorite songs of mine. Um, but this one. Uh, I think you know musically, lyrically is just really uh, uh, is, is just great. Um, obviously, the opening so- song is their most famous from it, and it is just yeah. a fantastic song. Um, but there's a lot of good ones. Kathy's song, um, mm-hmm. uh, a number of others I really like. Yeah, what else is on that one? I can't remember. Um, uh, April, um, come she will is on that one. There's a song, uh, Richard Corey, yeah. which is really oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I remember that one. I think actually kind of plays well in like, what's happening in our culture mm-hmm. now um, and you know, tells a story of this um, uh, you know, factory owner, Richard Corey, who's you know, a prominent, kind of a prominent capitalist. I, I don't know if it's based on a real person or not, but the, the kind of refrain throughout this song is that he wishes that... That, that that he was Richard Corey and that mm-hmm. he could have that life because he's just a poor guy working in his factory mm-hmm. that's toiling away. Um, and through the song, you kind of learn that uh, Richard Corey t- takes his own life. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of this commentary on, um, you know, who's really well off in society and, you know, what what really are those things that we are seeking to attain. And um, so that that's an interesting kind of commentary song. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I usually ask guests, and it's never a part of the plan, but I, I always end up, because I love talking about this, is these three artists that you've just mentioned, have you seen any of them live? Um, I haven't. And, the you know, I would love to see Paul Simon for sure, but the, the one that's on my bucket list is Bruce Springsteen. I would love mm-hmm. to, to see him in the street band in concert. I know they put on, you know, one of the best shows. Um, ha- have you seen them? I have. Yeah. I saw them... Right, they reformed in two thousand for the first time since like the eighties. Okay, and we, Stephanie, my wife and I, saw him with a, a dear friend from Southern California. Saw him at the, Anaheim. It was that kind called the Pond. Okay, it's where the Ducks play, nice. and now sure. it's called the Honda Center, I think, and it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was a great show. I, I mean, I like Bruce a lot. I mean, he wasn't one. Of, he's not like my top five artists. I yeah. like him a lot. But it was a great show. Yeah, just so much energy they. I don't think he it. played anything from Nebraska, as I recall, because he had the band. I don't think he does yeah. any of those songs much. But, uh, they, yeah, but um, it was great, and he didn't have an opening act. He must have played for three hours. Yeah, I mean, it was. Just, right. I don't understand how he did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guys like him or you know, U two, same thing. They just they go all in every yeah. concert and do the super long one. So it's impressive, especially at his age, you know, because he's been doing it for years. Yeah. But. Yeah, at that time, I guess he was probably like fifty, which is almost what I am. So, but he well. seems, but yeah, but it's like it's like, but yeah, at the time, he's like, wow, this guy, you know. And then, and now that's where I yeah. am, of course. I, I feel like the, the well hasn't run dry for him. He's no, still, he's putting still out going. good stuff. I like his going. latest album, even. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't listened to it. I did. There was a few of his newer ones that I got. I liked Wrecking Ball yeah, a lot. That's but. a good one too. Yeah. All right, well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. 
here with Sean. We the, the first three albums. I mean, I I mean, it's always interesting to talk to anybody about their favorite music. But man, those first three are, are, are strong entries. Um, so as you were going through it, um, did you have like a part of your life that you noticed that some of these albums came from, or was it more broad? Yeah, it didn't really track with my life and and kind of chronology or different seasons as much. Um, you know, I was thinking of trying to have some variety in the, in the types of uh, albums that I chose. Um, and ones, I think, you know, when you can really sit down and listen to a whole album, um, you know, things that the, the lyrics have some depth to that you can kind of sit on and, and reflect. But certainly, uh, you know, Van Morrison I've loved um, since I was young. Bruce Springsteen I, I started listening to more when I was in college and mm-hmm. the Nebraska album actually around the time that I really, um, where my kind of faith took hold in a, in a more serious way was about the time that I started listening to this album too. And so I think that is a season in my life that feels special and, uh, and, you know, had kind of a lot of times, you know, reflecting on, uh, on, on, you know, just some of the ideas and, and lyrics there. Um, and Simon and Garfunkel, you know, I've been listening to them since I was young too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's go to number four. What you got for number right. four, Sean? Number four is going to be uh, a little bit different one. I'm going to choose Yo-Yo Ma's recordings of box cello su- suites. Sure. Um, and, uh, again, wanted to have a little bit of variety. I think having some um, instrumental music is, mm-hmm. is a nice change of pace, and it's you know hard to beat those recordings, yeah. um, both in the way he plays and, obviously, the, the compositions. Um, and they're, you know, it's an album that I've listened to a lot, kind of when I've been doing other things. Yes, uh-huh. I listened to a lot in grad school studying. Um, yes. And peaceful, but substantial. Substantial. The fact that it's just solo cello, you know, there's not, um, uh, you know, there's not a lot, a lot going on, um, uh, you know, other, other than just the one instrument. And so kind of allows you to kind of focus on things and it's just a beautiful album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does Bach uh, mean something to you specifically as a composer, or is it more the music that that draws you in there? Uh, he does. I mean, I, you know, Bach is someone. My my mom is a really wonderful guitar player, and she plays all sorts of different uh, styles, but she plays classical guitar and mm-hmm. has been playing Bach pieces um, since I was, you know, for, for my whole life, and mm. so. Um, lots of, you know, I, I feel like those are just early music memories of hearing her play Bach on, on classical guitar. Um, and then, you know, as I played music as a, as a kid too, and took piano lessons, played, played Bach music. And so he's always been a, a favorite composer. Um, but you know, my depth of classical music is just not, mm-hmm. it's not that much. I, mm-hmm. I can't, uh, speak to it the way, you know, a lot of people could. So if, Lexi or Nick Tavani ever hear this, they'll like hide their face from me and like curse me and throw stones because I just I can't speak too much of it other than I just love it and sure. it's beautiful um, and obviously worshipful too and mm-hmm. knowing kind of box biography a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's very comforting in that way. Yeah, yeah, he does. He he's his cantatas and you know it's it's he yeah, it's so much so much worship. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, right. So to. To hear some somebody that's kind of at the height of, of you know, their craft of, of, of composing music and to know the motivation that it's coming out, out of, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something that is just a witness to, to the church that people can, can create, 
you know, masterpieces like that out of a mm-hmm. motivation of wor- worship. And, um, uh, yeah, so those, and, you know, the, the kind of opening, you know, uh, cello suite, um, number one in G major is, uh, man, I feel like that's hitting a home run. No, the first everybody pitch of knows game it. Seven, you know, it's just like, it's if hard. you don't know, you know it, you do. You do. You've heard Everyone, it. Everyone's yeah. heard it. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's kind of a, a mountaintop kind of song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think, yeah, I've, I've picked up a biography of his once yeah. and read like the first third or quarter of it and for whatever reason, haven't. Yeah. But I think from everything I've ever heard, just a working class, you know, like church musician. Yeah. Who nobody knew about until after he was dead. Yeah. And then, and then they uh. find this treasure trove yeah. of like masses and Man, that's just fascinating. Yeah, you know, just on and on and on. But yeah. I don't think that he was well known. Like somebody like Beethoven and Mozart, they, right. everybody knew those people right. while they were composing. But from what I understand, I could be wrong. And yeah. by all means, email me at joelatofthecross.org <laughs> if I'm wrong. But I think that he really did just, and he had like 20 kids. Okay. Yeah, so, it, I mean, he was a busy guy in terms of, like, not only working, but had a huge home to, yeah, to care for. Right. So. Uh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I don't know enough about him. So yeah, I'd, fascinating guy. I'd be interested to read that sometime. Okay, well, my goodness, Yo-Yo Ma. And then Yo-Yo Ma has made a couple of appearances. Has, Your okay. wife had yeah. a, 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 what was the goat? Goat rodeo rodeos. sessions. Yeah, yeah, so that was, and then my son, Jack, okay. it, who plays cello, had a Yo-Yo Ma piece on his, so that's the third. But a different one. Yeah, yeah, it was a Dvorak cello concerto. Oh, uh, yeah, I love that one too. Yeah. yeah. So what's number five? All right, number five is uh, this is one that Andine did have on her list. Oh, a shared um, one. A yeah. shared one. So this is Over the Rhine's uh, album Drunkard's Prayer. Yeah. Um, and to so me, I guess you don't get to talk about it. I don't get. She already says everything about it that <laughs> needs to be heard. So what's number six? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> go go back to episode yeah, number two if you want to hear I'll just, about it. I'll just edit and cut it yeah. in, and see, she can just talk about it. No, um, I'll read off the text that Andine approved for me to say about this album. <laughs> uh, no, so this one, uh, I do love the album just on its own, but this one more than others uh, I have on there for the personal significance. Um, yeah. This is an album that Andine introduced to me right when we, like, even before we went on, went on our first date, um, and we listened to it a lot. When we started dating in September of 2011, and um, and so it always kind of brings me back to that, you mm-hmm. know, first fall starting to, to date and fall in love with Andine, and it's been a special album to us. Um, the the dirt that I'm going to reveal about Andine here is that when she hears this album, yeah. she has more memories about other guys that she dated before <laughs> me. So um, because I know that this was an album that she listened to with um, with some other boyfriends yeah. previous. So I have to have a little bit of jealousy in here, but yeah. no, it's um, it's re- it's a beautiful album, and the first you know few tracks in particular I really like. But um, Karen Burquist, the the singer, um, she's got a great voice and. Her significant other, Linford Detweiler, is, Detweiler is an incredible piano player, and they just have a cool um, kind of sound and vibe together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did get a chance to listen through that album um, some after I recorded that with her, but this will be give me a chance to do some more. Yeah. One of those adjacent artists to a lot of the artists I like that I just haven't been able to really get into, but sure. I would continue to like to try. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I've had a chance to see them in concert a couple times um, here in town, and they're they're really good live again. Mm-hmm. Linford is a fantastic piano player, so sometimes he'll do solo um, pieces, and um, and they harmonize really well. So they have a nice nice dynamic uh, mm-hmm. performing live as well. Mm. Yeah. And since we always put together a Spotify playlist, I mean, this goes for all the different tracks we've had. What are a couple of the favorites of yours? I know that I remember. Oh goodness! I can't. I'm trying to remember the title of the ones that that Andine, that Andine had. Yeah. I remember off the um, she. Yeah, I, I can't recall which which um, track she singled out. I, you know the the first one. I want you to be my love is. Uh, I, I love that opening song. Bluer is another one on the mm-hmm. album that um, that I like. And Andine and I play together sometimes for yeah, fun. Yeah, I think that might have been one of the ones she mentioned. Okay. Apologies, yeah. Andine, if I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> Um, and actually, you know, one thing I, I realized just going through this exercise of picking albums is that to me, the opening track really, um, was more important than I ever really realized in kind of setting mm-hmm. the tone for the album and mm-hmm. how I think of, uh, you know, which albums stick out in my mind. So a lot of these, when I thought about, well, what song do I really love? It's often the opening track. Um, yeah. and that's the case in this one. Yeah. Yeah, you can go on and on about like how a band decides to group their songs. Yeah, yeah, right. Appropriate closing, you know, tracks. Right. And usually the the opening tracks are typically stronger songs. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you want to lead with some of that. Yeah, that's probably the case. So that was number five, right? That's five. Okay, so what's number six? All right, number six. I'm gonna go another instrumental um, album, and this is a band that um, I don't think has been mentioned by other guests. Um, might not be as familiar, but it's a, a band called The Gloaming. Have you ever heard of them? I think I have. They are an Irish... Um, they play, like, Irish tr- traditional music. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're uh, kind of so-called supergroup, so it's uh, five different musicians that um, have played for years on their own and came together to, to do a couple albums together. Mm-hmm. And they perform live. Um, uh, but... I've I've uh, uh, kind of long had a interest in Irish music and culture and um, any and, particular reason for that? Well, you know the name <laughs> and, and background has a little. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so, as Irish as my name suggests. I'm, oh, really? I'm a quarter okay. Irish, but right. that quarter, as I sometimes tell people, that quarter kind of um, counts for like seventy five percent of my you know, my background in terms of you know family culture. It seems at least on my dad's side. Sure. Um, and. Um, yeah, it's just they play uh, beautiful music. So they they kind of take these Irish traditional reels and um, and songs, and and they really kind of strip it down to their bare essentials. Yeah. And the violin player Martin Hayes is incredible. Um, and there's a lot of um, it almost kind of has a cinematic quality to a lot of their their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, um, one place people may have um, on knowingly encountered uh, their music is from the movie Brooklyn, um, if you ever saw that. I did. Yeah, that's been, I saw it once. It's been a while, though. Okay, yeah. And that, it was good. Beautiful movie, good yeah. Good movie, yeah. So in that movie, there's a scene where a guy at a soup kitchen stands up and sings uh, just a solo a cappella song, and that's the singer from this group. Um, so I, I said they're instrumental. They also do some singing as okay. well. Um, and... Um, is it just yeah. if they just made one album? They actually, I think they have three albums that they've recorded in the stu- studio. Okay. And then they the the album that I chose is 
live at um, National Concert Hall. So Got it. evidently they like annually um, play a series of shows at um, the National Concert Hall in Ireland. Okay. And um, the, I think they do like a week a week straight of sets there. Mm, um, that's pretty cool. And so, you know, it's definitely music. You have a travel for idea there for you. There's a, yeah, it's a good travel <laughs> idea. Yeah, yeah, that, there's a bucket list item. There um, you go. Yeah, so there's a couple songs, uh, Sailor's, uh, Sailor's Bonnet and The Bully House um, are two that are um, uh, ones I've listened to a lot. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, um, I listen to them a lot while I'm cooking, which is another, okay. um, that's kind of, one of my, my hobbies and, and passions is, is, is cooking. And as a dad with young kids, you spend a lot of time doing that in the sure, house. And so it's almost become like a ritual that I put that album on a lot when um, when I'm preparing meals. So oh, I cool. often associate very, those two things. Sounds very fun. Yeah. I have to check that out. So uh, you, what were the songs you said? You were, you, you, um, you, yeah, had, you uh, just mentioned them, but... Uh, the uh, Bully House yeah. is one, and Sailor's um, Bonnet is yeah. another. Okay. Yeah. Well, so far, so we'll see how this plays out here. We've got six picks, and so far we have Van Morrison, who is from Northern Ireland. Yeah. And then we've got uh, The Gloaming, and then Bruce Springsteen is Irish as well. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, cool. I always feel like, even though he's a New Jersey guy, growing up in Rockford, Illinois, yeah. his his music kind of resonates there, because Rockford has kind of Bruce Springsteen-type yeah, um, absolutely. scene to it. And absolutely. so I feel a little bit of a connection even though he's he's uh, technically a new Jer- new jersey guy yeah there's a there's a definite the the interplay between finding his his voice as a new jersey in i don't know how you say yeah. it and but also you know finding that universal yeah appeal yeah has been his gift for sure all right well that's number six we'll take a quick break and we will start right up again in a moment We're back with my friend Sean, who has uh, already given us six really great ideas of music to listen to. Uh, some of them have been things that other people, or well, one, I guess, as well. Others have mentioned Van Morrison. I think, I think Van Morrison's coming up for the first time. You, I don't know that anybody Christian else. Christian talked about um, a cover, a Van Morrison cover, I think. So yeah. Think. yeah, 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 by the Water Boys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think as far as a pick of Van Morrison's, it's true. I think it's the first one. Right. So before we get into your last three picks and your book and your luxury item, what uh, did you have a particular like plan of attack here with like the like uh, for me when I came up with my list it was like okay I would want to have variety I'd want to have you know yeah. what did you did you have anything like that Yeah, well, it it changed my list changed um, uh, kind of over, over the past couple of weeks. So I started out trying to have albums from kind of different periods and, and seasons of my life. Um, but kind of the more I was thinking about it and thinking, well, what albums would I right now really want with me for a year mm-hmm. in the basement of the church? And um, and it, it kind of changed. So it was a little bit more thinking about variety and, um, you know, just albums I've listened to a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think to me, um, you know, the albums that you have and listen to, it's almost like choosing friends or something. Like, yeah. you don't go out and meet everyone in the world sure. and, like, really evaluate them and then choose them. It's like, you kind of just develop these friendships, and I feel like the albums that I have and, and have really listened to a lot is a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, and so 
I chose ones that I've really listened to as whole albums, um, and uh, so yeah, that was kind of my criteria. Yeah. How do you feel about? Um, what do you feel like? Uh, this is just totally off the cuff. I haven't asked this of anybody, but you seem to be you know kind of in the know enough, or at least have a good idea about it. What do you think of the album as a format at this point? I mean, do you see that as something that's going to continue to go on? Or do you feel like it's... It feels like to me yeah. it's always going to have an appeal. And yeah. It might be less of an appeal than, you know, an MP3 song or whatever else. But I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it will just by the nature of, you know, the quality of what an album is. You know, I, I feel like to not have that and to only listen to singles or listen to, you know, kind of mixes of, of different artists together. You know, it's, it's like going to an art museum and not getting to see the artist's other work or not getting mm-hmm. to see it in context to other pieces in that period. Yeah. You know, there's something about the cohesion of an album, um, especially in, you know, s- certainly some albums, you can just listen to the tracks on their own yeah. and, you know, they kind of... Uh, they don't necessarily tie together, but a lot of albums do, and not just concept albums where it's really you know uh, all kind of tied together. But um, you know, I think again, like albums like Nebraska, you know, yeah. I think you'd miss out on kind of an overarching theme and narrative throughout the whole thing if you don't listen to it that way. Um, Certainly, Astral Weeks would be in Astral there, you know? Weeks would be like when you have uh, something where the sum is greater than its parts. Yeah. No, the question is, do people, is there the extra value in, like, the tangible aspect of holding, buying, you know, a CD or sure. album on vinyl where you have the, the album art? Because to me, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've always loved buying music, and for mm-hmm. me it's been mostly CDs. I've bought some um, records on vinyl, too. But having the album art and, you know, just that kind of tangible experience, mm-hmm. I think, has always been fun for me. Um, that, I don't, it's hard to see that coming back to as much of a degree, um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, people don't have the devices around as much, though I know vinyl has had a little bit of a re- resurgence, yeah. and yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the album just uh, kind of, by nature, has to be here to stay, and I hope more people listen to things as whole albums. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for engaging me on yeah. that topic. I appreciate it. What's your number seven pick? Number seven, uh, going to pick a pretty obscure album from 1966 called Revolver um, by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah. Hey, somebody else picked the Beatles. Yeah, and I did my show. Did you hear by chance the show I did with yes, Christian? Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I was, yeah. The, yeah. Okay, well, take it away, I'm, Sean. You've, you've, you, 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 you've now become my official favorite guest of all time. <laughs> you picked the Beatles. Well, someone had to join you. I was actually shocked. <laughs> I, I would figure that would be one that made it just about on every everybody's list. Um but, yeah, I mean, I think the Beatles has been a longtime favorite band, and um, the hard part about putting a Beatles album on is which one do you choose? You know, yeah, that's I, why I went with the White Albums, because I could at least have more songs. Yeah, and that was a smart choice. I, I, <laughs> I almost did the same thing, but I didn't want to copy you. And the White Album, I, uh, I do love it, but it's not the one that I've listened to the most, or yeah. kind of, um, that I have enjoyed the uh, as as much as some others and revolver is a great one um i kind of think about it like their bridge album from you know their kind of first era and se- you know season of, of music into their more kind of experimental and innovative yeah. um 
yeah. uh, era that came with Sgt. Pepper's. So, and when they, so Revolver came out in 66, and it was the last album that they did before they took their kind of long hi- hiatus yeah. of performing live. So yeah. it was kind of like that album closed the curtain mm-hmm. of, you know, Act 1, and then mm-hmm. the curtains opened with Act 2 of Sgt. Mm-hmm. Pepper's in this dramatic fashion. And um, so, yeah, I love that one. There's a lot of songs that are, kind of at the top of my yeah, list. Yeah, I mean, which one, do, I mean, there you go, just like with which album do you pick, which songs which do you songs? pick? Which songs, yeah. I, I mean, I love the song For No One. Uh, if, oh, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. yeah. McCartney is my favorite songwriter of the group. Um, I like a lot of George Harrison's songs as well. Um, but, yeah, that one is is one of my favorite. Um, I love the song And Your Bird Can Sing. Which I do is too. Yeah. really cool, kind it's of kind like of dual guitar um, uh, work in there. And, I evidently John Lennon hated that song. He I've heard that, um, yeah. For whatever reason, I'm not not sure why, but I like it. I think it has a good melody and um uh yeah, so I think the Beatles in my mind, you know, they just they stand above everyone else in melody and chord arrangement. You know, if you're like a young person wanting to learn music, I'd say just go like get a Beatles songbook and just learn all the Beatles songs and that would be a great education just in itself. Um so, yeah, I had to have one of their albums on there. Perhaps someday you and I could do uh, a sequel and talk about what nine Beatles songs <laughs> yeah. would we want to take. Yeah, on. yeah. Like, it's just another exercise in frustration. And by yeah. the way, speaking of first tracks, yeah. wasn't it a great first track? I mean, not yeah. one of their big, you know, Eleanor Rigby might be the most well-known Probably song is, from the yeah. album, which is, I think, the second song the second, on the album. Yeah. And then, of course, Tomorrow Never Dies is famous yeah. because of the experimental right. sounds. Mm-hmm. But, like, Taxman, Taxman being the first, it draws you in in a different yeah. sort of way than a lot of, you know. It's a great song to listen, in, listen to in April. First thing you hear is the guy, one, two, three, four, and he's counting, yeah. you know, it's great. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things Satire I love too. about that album is George Harrison's guitar work, mm-hmm. um, and that song especially mm-hmm. um, has a really cool sound, and... Um, yeah, the satire, and it's just catchy. Here, there, and everywhere is on yeah, that that's, one. Yeah, I that's love that one pretty as well. one. Yeah. Apparently what uh, uh, Paul wrote that after being inspired by the song God Only Knows. Yeah, by, yeah. Uh, Beach Boys. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they had a lot of dual influence on each other. I know mm-hmm. McCartney was really influenced by Pet Sounds, yeah. and uh, and the Beach Boys likewise were influenced by, by some of the... Uh, Beatles albums, so yep. that's kind of an. And I don't know how forward. well they knew each other. You, maybe you know, but uh. yeah, I don't think they. I don't think so. I yeah, know, yeah, I don't know that they had, they had much interaction. Brian Wilson wasn't interacting no, with no. very many people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense, he was a yeah. genius, but yeah, I mean, yeah. he was yeah, he was in his own world a bit. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, great. Yeah, I mean, revolvers. Be, and and uh, speaking of album you know, art, I mean the the, the album, cool the album art, the cover yeah. is, is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. What is your number eight? Number eight, I'm going to go with one, one of my all-time favorite songwriters, John Prine. Um, oh, sure. His yeah. album. It was actually his uh, his last album uh, okay. that he made before he passed, sadly, this past year. Um, and the album's called Tree of Forgiveness. Um, and it's uh, really great songs. Um, I, I like it a lot musically, but um, really... Yeah, just kind of deep. You kind of see him as a mature man. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's been one of those old souls since he was young, but um, <laughs> I feel like in this one you just get a lot of wisdom um, that he has um, in, in, in the lines of his songs. So 
I've listened to that a lot over the past year or two. Um, and Dean and I like listening to it together. We've listened to it on some road trips and um, uh, some other uh, events. And so, uh, yeah, that that one really came to mind. There's a what's cool about that album is the last like four tracks seem to really um, uh, kind of have have a an arc to them. So there's a track called No Ordinary Blue, which is really interesting and kind of tells about a, a, a moment um, where he has this bout of something like severe depression or some kind of, you know, mental, mental um, kind of, uh, you know, health challenge or something. And he's pulling away from his loved one and he just, he can't kind of get a grip on his own mm-hmm. reasoning and thinking and He's just kind of distancing himself from his wife, I assume, um, in in the song. And then the next song is called um, A Boundless Love. And it's just this beautiful, you know, I I think uh, any Christian would just see kind of the resonance of, of, you know, God's boundless love for us. But there's a a line of it um, in that song where he says, you know, if I find myself on a jagged cliff, uh, at risk of falling, I, I'd look up above and look below and I'm surrounded by your boundless love. And um, coming right off the back of this you know, song where he kind of pushes away his loved one mm-hmm. and then comes back um, and just kind of re- receives that unconditional uh, love and grace from, from someone is, you know, I think really profound. And then the next two tracks, um, the, the track after that is called God Only Knows. And it's kind of just a little reflection on just feeling um, uh, kind of the awareness of our limited knowledge and kind of this sense that God has, uh, you know, a bigger plan that we can't understand. And the last song then is this quirky tongue-in-cheek song about going to heaven and the things he wants to do in heaven, like smoking a cigarette that's nine miles long and uh, <laughs> kissing the pretty girl on the tilt-a-whirl and, uh-huh. and all that kind of thing. So it's kind of a you know quirky John Prine type song, but he's very witty um i feel like he's profound and poetic but by being super down to earth and simple you know he's never trying to never trying to impress people with his lyrical ability it just kind of comes out he's another kind of like the over the rhine like you were talking about he's another one that some of the artists that i really love love Hmm. him yeah but i've never like the Avid Brothers are yeah. one of my favorite musicians, and they love him. Yeah, yeah, they've done some covers. Yeah, um, and so that's one of those that he's another one that I should get to know a little better. I recommend it. It would be a good, good first one to um, really His last to. album would be a good first one to try. Huh? I think so. Yeah, and he's got a, a lot of good albums, but mm-hmm. that one, and I, I feel again a little bit of a personal connection because he grew up in. Uh, or at least lived for a while in May- Maywood, Illinois, again, right outside of Chicago. And I have family roots that um, from Maywood going back generations. Mm-hmm. And he got his start in music by being a mailman when he okay. lived in Maywood. And he just would walk around his mail route, um, just kind of coming up with little songs in his head. And his friends heard some of them and encouraged him to play some live gigs. And mm-hmm. so evidently that's how he got his start as a musician. Yeah. Uh, this is a singing mailman. <laughs> Also, I think I'll always remember he was one of the first, you know, big high-profile people to to die of COVID. To die from COVID, I know. I, yeah. I feel like it was within the first 
month or two yeah. after. And of course, like I said, because of the people that I really love, the mu- some of the musicians I really love, yeah. it was like, oh man, we lost yeah. John Prine. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he had had cancer. Yeah, um, he was somebody. His he had a. He had a uh, he had had like something on the side, uh, probably a cancer on his face or something. Yeah, throat cancer. Yeah, yeah. 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 Probably from that nine mile. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> probably a dark humor. I apologize. No, no. That, <laughs> that he, he, he talks. He says that you know because he had to quit smoking when he had throat yeah. cancer, and, yeah. and so he thought, well, the only time I'm going to have that next cigarette is in, in heaven. Going to make it a big one. So yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely somebody. I know that the Avid brothers have covered songs of his at live that I've seen yeah. them, them cover and that they make a, a, a practice of that because they love him. Yeah, and I actually feel like some of their songwriting they, they, they imitate. Very, some. yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. Um, there was a great tribute album to him back a couple of years ago that the Evit Brothers have a song. I think mm-hmm. they did. Um, I can't remember which one now, but there's a bunch of really good musicians that cover John Prine songs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's... He's uh, one that people love to cover. Yeah. yeah. All right. Number nine, number nine. Number as, nine. As, as uh, Revolution 9 would say on yes. the White Album. Yes. What's your number nine pick? Well, number nine, I got to kind of come back full circle thinking about being um, exiled to the basement, uh, a, a prisoner uh, at the church, and who would be a better prison mate than Tom Waits? And um, I agree 100%. So I'm going to pick his album, uh, Orphans. And don't know that one. You don't know that one. Okay. It's, well, I, uh, it's a relatively new one, isn't it? 2006. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another person. He has so much music. So much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you'd really like this one. It's it's a three disc album, and so I it's called Orphans. That. I remember that one. I, I don't out. know if I can say the full um, full title on here, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> well, too much of a family-friendly podcast, maybe, to say the whole title or something. Brawlers, ballers, and another word that starts with B. Um, okay, got it. Yeah, 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 I do remember that now that you mention it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So the, the third disc um, uh, is one that is more, you know, pretty pretty grungy and, and mm-hmm. gravelly. I haven't listened to that one as much. Um, but the first two, especially the second album, uh, which is a collection of ballads, is think some of his best music that he's put out there it's just fantastic mm-hmm. um really um just interesting songs um they my favorite song from the album is one called you can never hold back spring mm-hmm. and it's this um kind of jazz um sounding song with with um horns and and other uh, kind of jazz instruments but um yeah it's just a it's a really cool song and it it's um there's a piece in uh the mia that uh i've been struck by when i've gone through there it's like a fourth century um mosaic from a turkish christian and Mm -hmm. it's two birds in a spring setting it's this really cool um kind of mosaic tile piece and in the description it talks about how especially at that time uh, this type of spring imagery was used by the church to reflect on the hope of the resurrection um yeah. And the song, I feel like, is just a kind of a portrait of that. It's this kind of sense of this, you know, renewal and hope of, um, you know, of redemption that we couldn't hold back if we wanted to. And I don't know what Tom Waits had in mind when he was writing it, but it seems almost like a reflection on on God. Um, and there's a line in there: uh, "Close your eyes and open your hearts to the one that's dreaming of you. You can never hold back spring." And mm-hmm. um, so it's a really beautiful. Um, song and there's a lot like that on that album 
Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting songwriter in that he's so... He's got so much um, sort of world-weariness to a lot of his Mm -hmm. songs and so much edge. Yeah. But there's some of his work that is so spiritual and so, I don't know, sort of... I don't know, just adjacent to some to, to some of the basic things about the Christian faith. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, some of the songs on uh, Mule Variations remind me of that. There's, there's just, yeah, he's, he's a fascinating figure. He is, yeah. I mean, you've talked on this podcast about just that idea of common grace and how yeah. some artists are able to put their, are able to portray something about truth in a way that sometimes even those within the church you know, can't articulate in the same way. Um, and yeah. Tom Waits, I definitely think is one of those artists, you know, uh-huh. there's just, there's a lot of, especially there's kind of a theme of grace that runs through a lot of his music. There's an, another, um, uh, song on this album called, um, down there by the train. And it's this, uh, yeah, that's this, the one that Johnny Cash did. Well, on maybe the American recordings. There's a, it's possible that it's a place he, I know where the train goes. Yeah. Yeah, so so Tom Tom Waits wrote that. Johnny okay. Cash recorded it on American Recordings. Got it. Cool. But I didn't know that Tom Waits had recorded it. So yeah. I would love to hear that. You should, and it's a, it's a great recording. Um, but really cool. So I mean, just that sense of grace for even the worst sinners. You know, there's this line of, I saw um, Judas Iscariot at, uh, carrying John Wilkes Booth mm-hmm. in. You know, this, this uh, you know, what a great imagery is as an American. There's no eye for an eye. There's no tooth, tooth for a tooth. tooth. Yeah. I saw Judas Iscariot carrying John Wilkes Yeah, Booth. yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot to chew on with, with that song. <laughs> and, um, and you know, it's another good one to choose because it's three discs, so you just get a little bit more music. Um, and Mule Variations is another one that I was, I was torn between this and that one because yeah. that was another, uh, a number of my favorite songs. And, in fact... Um, uh, and Dean and I, uh, our first dance at our wedding was to Picture in a Frame from Little oh, yeah. Variations. Yeah. So that song especially is, uh, holds a special place in our heart. It was either going to be that or um, what's he building in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that would have been perfect. Yeah. Y'all need to, you know, maybe I'll put what's he building in there on your playlist <laughs> just so people can now get the joke once they hear yeah. what's he building in there. Because what's he building in there would be a... Not only would it be an awkward dance, but it would go on for a really long time. <laughs> if you really wanted it to would, play the yeah. whole thing out, and everybody would be standing around saying, "What is what? So we what had, is he building in there?" We had to compromise. Oh, well, that's that's. I think that was a reasonable. I think you made made a good call. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's nine great albums. Really, really fun. A couple of artists making their second appearance: Tom Waits, Bruce Springsteen, and then uh, the Beatles. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to change up a little bit here how we do the book. So I'm going to do a quick read here of the books that other people have left in the basement. And then we'll go from there, and I'll ask you what yours is. So Heaven Tree Trilogy, Jane Eyre, Lord of the Rings, which is what your your wife actually had, and Dean, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Harry Potter, Letters of Flannery O'Connor, Screwtape Letters, Valley of Vision, Collection of Puritan Poetry, Complete Book of Swords, The Cimmerillion, City of Joy, The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane, Wrinkle in Time, and uh, The Years of Lyndon Johnson. 
These are the so you already have a wonderful collection of books that you can. I'd be busy read while you're listening to yeah. the Yo-Yo Ma Bach cello suites. <laughs> What's your book? Um, my book is um, so I, I wanted to pick one that is uh, that I haven't read in full. Um, so I think a lot of the other guests have picked like a favorite book that that they've read a lot. Mm-hmm. And for this, for, for me, I wanted to pick one that I have wanted to. Uh, read more intently, and that's um, Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. Oh, um, and yeah. so I've read parts of Democracy in America many times, um, you know, but I haven't really read the full thing kind of in, in one period. So figured over the course of a year I could, could get through it and mm-hmm. um, have some time to, to think on it. But, you know, I think it's the best book on modern democracy that's been written still. Um, and he has so many insights that are relevant for um, for us today that I think that would be a, r- a really good one to have in the basement with me. Um, you know, it's just got kind of uh, insights into um, you know, kind of as he reflects about democracy that you know uh, uh, humans and society we're we're not just kind of math for- formulas where we're a function of just a certain political form instead of institutions, but kind of the social state, the, you know, our habits and mores and loves and, um, and, and things that we carry as a people that that really kind of colors our, you know, you know political, uh, outcomes and the way political society will look in a, per, in a particular context. Um, so that's the one I picked for my year in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. How, is it a long book? It is I feel long. Like it's kind of big. I feel yeah. like I've seen copies of it, and it's not a short book. And it's not, so the the copy that I have is a special edition where um, there is a collection of um, his manuscript notes with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't. If you bought the regular uh, uh, you know, printed edition, I'm not sure how long it is, but it's it's fairly hefty um, and certainly dense enough to take your time through. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a uh, from what I've always heard about it. You know, kind of a what Ken Burns is trying to do with documentaries, trying to get at who we are as a people. Yeah. You know, through these different streams, it's like he's almost like the one who, from the outside looking in, was one of the first people. Yeah, definitely. I think having the outsider perspective. Um, you know, he he wrote this in the 1830s um, as you know, a Frenchman, French aristocrat. Mm-hmm. And so he saw kind of what was happening, uh, especially in Europe, and got a grant to come to the United States and study the, the American penal system. But mm-hmm. really, his his kind of hidden motive was to do this this deeper analysis of American democracy and see where um, uh, democratic life really has taken hold in a in a especially strong way. So, you know, he's one of those guys kind of maybe like what Dylan is in music where everyone wants to claim him for, for their own, you know, for their own cause. But um, I think you, you really have to kind of read him for what he was thinking about and processing and uh, a lot of good stuff there. Sure. And you also get a luxury item. What's right. your luxury item in the basement? Well, this is where I might be bending the rules a little bit because I don't know if it's one item per se, but can I bring, like, my hockey stuff with me? Like, yeah, my, yeah, okay. I can yeah, give you a bag big enough. Bag, okay. So I bring my <laughs> hockey bag. You know, I'm down there, like, listening to music. You use the fireplace the Bible, down there as your goal, maybe. Like, I need something to do. I need to be active. <laughs> sure. And so I bring my uh, a hockey set, and one of my goals is to be... Goals? Hockey. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Nice. Sorry, dad joke. 
One of my one of my ambitions uh, in life is to be better than Adam Murray at just anything. Um, so okay. I feel like a year of working on my slap shot, my you know my <laughs> my, my wrist shot, I could I could try to get better that, than him at hockey. Very um, good. So that's why I would bring for my luxury item. And uh, as a as a way to. Um I don't know. Some, some one of the the guests on our show, David and Jen Asp, were talking about how everybody had a Bob Dylan and a U two album yeah. on this thing, and you hadn't either. I, I actually thought yeah. that you would have a Bob Dylan album, knowing yeah. that you know, knowing ha- that you played Bob Dylan in one of our church videos one year. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I think if if you ask ten people that know me best, you know, what's one artist that for sure would make it on my list? Almost everyone would say Bob Dylan. Yeah, um, but he he didn't. Partly, he's gotten a lot of love on this podcast already, um, sure. so I want to explore some other territory. But mm. also, I just I couldn't pick one particular album that. That was out. my problem too. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot that I love. Like Desire was on my list for a little while before mm-hmm. I scratched it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot to choose from, but yeah, um, and the Avid Brothers, another one that I think <laughs> they've, they've come up on just about every episode. And, they have come up a lot, and up that was a little just, surprising to me. I mean, yeah. Not with my kids. When I interviewed my kids, I knew they'd probably do that. But. Yeah, I. I, me too. I mean, I knew they were popular, but didn't know to that extent. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, Sean, it's been really, really fun uh, to talk with you about this, and I can't wait to to listen to some of the stuff that you brought up. And again, like I said, we'll put together a Spotify playlist, and it'll be linked to the album or to the uh, to the podcast. But again, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Thank you, Joel. It's been fun. All right. And with that, a big thanks to Mr. Sean O'Neill for chatting with me in my office about music, books, and hockey. I don't know about you, but I want to visit the library down there in the basement. We are starting to get quite a great library. As I mentioned before, please check out Sean's Spotify playlist attached to this episode to listen to some of the tracks from the music that he loves. That Tom Waits track that we talked about is really something else. And also, he has so many great cuts from Nebraska and the Van Morrison tracks. Great stuff. Also, it's really good to have a second Beatles album come up. As you can tell, probably from listening to the different episodes, I love the Beatles, so it's always fun to talk to somebody about them. Not that I'm making any suggestions. As I mentioned earlier, email me at joel at ofthecross.org if you want to be on the show, especially if you might want it to vary it a little bit. Nine books, movies, songs, recipes, whatever. So, keep on listening. Happy summer, and the peace of the Lord be with you. <laughs>